0: Welcome to the Sunday Morning Podcast from Kingdom Faith Church in Horsham. This message is by Clive Urquhart. Let's pray, shall we? And We'll get into the Word this morning. Father, we thank you for all that you're doing. We thank you for the way you've been working and moving in our hearts and lives over the last few weeks. Father, we thank you for the grace there's been to pray, to fast, to seek you. We thank you for all that you're saying and doing. And Father, we want to continue in, not just the good of what you have done, but we want to continue in all that you are doing. Father, we thank you for the anointing of your Holy Spirit. Without you, Holy Spirit, we have nothing, can't do anything, can't walk with you pursue you, know you, can't see all the things that you have been speaking about in our lives. And we need you, Holy Spirit, more than ever in our lives to be evident, to be active, to be leading us, guiding us, working in us and through us. So Holy Spirit, we're totally dependent on you in our lives. Father, we don't want to step back in any way. We don't want to shrink back in any way. We don't want to go back in any way to how things were before the prayer and fasting. Father, we thank you that you have been reviving us and in a process of bringing us to normal Christianity. You've not been bringing us into something exceptional or something unusual. But when you work in our hearts and lives and you revive us, you're bringing us back into the normal of how you see us and how you want us to be living. So Father, I thank you as we move more into this year that we would live more in the normal Christian life that you have called us to live rather than us thinking we've got to try and live something exceptional or extra or whatever. But no, we've been living subnormal compared to how you see what it means to live in you and walking with you. So Father, we thank you for your grace that enables us to live the normal Christian life. Life, Thank you, Lord. Everybody said, Amen. Amen. Just turn to somebody next to you and say, The Normal Christian Life. (laughs) There's a book by Watchman Nee. Uh, If you've never heard of him, uh, if you read one of his books, you'll be wrecked for the rest of your life. He wrote a book called, it was The Normal Christian Life, wasn't it? If you have never read it, Google it, get a copy. And he describes in there through the word what the normal Christian life looks like. And I think all of us would realise when you read it, how subnormal we live uh, in terms of who Christ is in us, what he's done in us, what that enables him to do then through us. It is a book that challenges you that all the way through, it's not I, but Christ. Not I, but Christ. And it's a book that profoundly challenges you, but also profoundly encourages you. And, and you know, one of the key things over the last few weeks has been stir up the gift that is within you. The Holy Spirit and fire, stir up that gift. And it's one of those books that that humbles you because you have to get before God and, and you realise how much a self there is in our lives But at the same time, it stirs a hunger and desire to want to be like Jesus. How many of you want to be like Jesus? Three of you. Man, this is going to be cool. How many of you want to be like Jesus? Right. So why do we pray and fast? Basically, why does God get us to pray and fast? It's not for His benefit, it's for ours. It's for us to fast, ultimately, this is what it's doing. We're fasting from self and we're sowing into the Spirit, into God's life in us. And as we do that, when we come out the other side, we then live more fully in who we are than we did before. Because something's been changing, something's been working in us, the Holy Spirit, in a, in a fresh way. So this is not necessarily the message this morning, but I just want to link into what we're going to be talking about and looking at the next three Sundays, because the next three Sundays are in response to what God has been doing and saying so that we earth some of uh, what he's been doing and saying uh, in a way that has some real reality to it. Otherwise, some of the things God has been saying prophetically or in dreams and visions and has been coming out during the prayer and fasting, we don't earth what God is saying. It stays as a hope, it stays as a longing and it stays as a desire, but there always has to be an earthing of what God is saying and, and doing in us and uh, amongst us. So before we kind of get into this, and, and it's not gonna be a long message because we want time to respond in a very practical way this morning uh, for, for all of us in some way or other. So just to mention this now before, obviously, because some of you might say we didn't, we didn't talk about January the 31st, we're out of, uh, we're out of the EU. We're now, yeah. we're, we're, we're still Great Britain, we're still the UK. But uh, obviously it was quite a historic moment on Friday night in terms of coming out of the EU and uh, what that means for us as a nation. And I know there's things at a natural level it means, but also there are spiritual realities yes. that go on. Yes. And we have we, we, I think when you start talking about some of these things, people go, oh, that's a bit political, isn't it? And I think sometimes we're not talking about political things, although politics is involved in things that happen on earth uh, because th- the people involved in politics make decisions. In certain ways, but there are spiritual realities that need to be worked out on earth. And just for a moment, you know, God has, God has mandates for nations. God works on two levels, basically He works on the personal level, the individual level, but he also works on with nations. And one day, judgment day, every individual is going to have to give an account of what they did with the life that God gave them whether saved or unsaved, but also nations are going to have to give an account of how as a nation, say this nation, we were firstly in relation to God, who he is, and where was he in our nation. We have to give an account for how we've treated God as a nation. And also in relation to Israel and the Jewish people, uh, we're going to have to give an account for how we treated Israel the land of Israel, the people of Israel, and the Jewish people. And we're going to have to account for that. It talks about that in Matthew 25, about sheep and goats. Whether we're a sheep nation who honour God and serve God, or uh, whether we're a goat nation, we turned our back on God and his purposes. So, we're there, so now all of us want to stand before God personally and say, God, I want you to be able to say to me, well done, good and faithful servant. Um, and we want to say about our nation too, Uh, that God judges our nation in a way that honours him. And that's where the prayers of the saints tip the balance in a nation. And we need to understand the prayers of the saints are so, so key in terms of what God is doing. God speaks to us as individuals, but he also speaks to nations. And the church in that nation have a responsibility to hear what God is saying about that nation. We then have a responsibility to pray for the nation in relation to what God is saying. And then whatever actions come out of that in different ways, different people in different spheres. But as the church, we're called to be a house of prayer for all nations. It doesn't just say for all individuals, it says for all nations. And so God has been speaking to us and working in us in relation to this about night and day worship and prayer that we are watchmen and we pray in the night as well as in the day. And I know the Holy Spirit has been speaking to many of you about night watches and been praying and not just during the prayer and fasting, but they continue on. Into the next, someone I know are doing a 40 day add into the 21, another 19 to do 40. I know others God spoke to you about praying till Easter, and others God spoke to you about continuing that, that watch, whatever time of the day or night it is, to continue doing that. Why is that so important? Because what God is doing is unprecedented. The enemy is on the rampage. He's out to steal, kill and destroy. And God is waking the church up so that we are operating 24-7. Not just our church, but the church. And we need to be alive to the realities of what is going on. And And I believe there's an element, and this might come out in a few weeks time. God wants us to have a fresh revelation of the reality of hell. Heaven is real, but hell is also a real place. And I believe that God wants us to have a fresh understanding of the reality of hell. And uh, not from a turn or burn kind of you know attitude, you know, that. But when we have a revelation of the reality of hell, then that changes the way we witness. It changes how we see people and their lives. And so that will come in another. God's just brewing something in me to do with that at the moment. So that will come out at some time or other. So now, we want to be really practical. In the light of what God is doing at this time, there's three key responses I believe that God is speaking to us about at the moment. He's been speaking about many people coming to know him. The phrase we've used is, is harvest. And he's been speaking to us about multitudes, many, 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 not just in our own setting, but across the nation. And God is getting the church ready For what that really means, it doesn't mean just a lot more people in a building on a Sunday morning, because the Great Commission in Matthew 28 isn't go and fill your buildings with lots of people and have a great time, it's go and make disciples of all nations. So when, when we use this phrase, harvest or multitudes of people coming to know the Lord, it's everything that comes with that and everything that's, that's going to mean in terms of the space that we make in our lives for, for new friendships, people that have never known God that are now coming to know God, people that they're like, they need discipling and, and they need people who know God And know how to walk with God in turn to be able to disciple them and show them how to live in relation to God. Now we know the Holy Spirit does a lot of that and works, but if it was all just the Holy Spirit and he didn't need anybody, Jesus wouldn't have made disciples himself. Are you there? So Jesus lived in revival, if we can put it that way. He lived the normal Christian life, uh, yet he made disciples. And so we're called to make disciples and and, and to make a disciple, sometimes you only need to be one or two steps ahead of the person that you're discipling. It's not like you have to be some spiritual giant to disciple somebody. If you can hear God's voice, you can help somebody else to hear God's voice. If you know how to read the Bible and and get something out of it, then you know you can help somebody else do that. If you've been through challenging situations, how did you overcome? How did you come out the other side where you can help other people see the same thing? Because you've been through it, you can help somebody else through it. Are Are you there? We lay hands on the sick and they recover. Well, if we see sick people healed, we can help other people not only be healed, but also show them how to lay hands on sick people and see God work through their life. If your marriage is strong and, 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 and you've been walking together and you've got a great marriage, then you can show others how to have a great marriage. You go through challenges, you go through struggles, you go through issues. Yeah, but how did you come out the other side? It's not that, well, I came out the other side. It was all Jesus. It is all Jesus. But how did you get from there to there with Jesus? How did he help you? So it's that sort of stuff. You know, your parents, your kids, your parents are healthy. Hopefully they are. But your kids, if they're healthy, they know the Lord and they're walking with God and, and all of that. You've got... You can help others, how does that work? I prayed my socks off for them as they were growing up, brilliant, how'd you pray your socks off for your kids then? I'll show you, this is how I prayed my socks off for my kids when I, do you know what I mean? It's all of that, it's very, very practical. You don't need to know the Bible inside out, back to front and be able to quote any scripture If you don't know it, I'll go and find it. Well, where in the Bible does it say it? It'll be good for every one of us to disciple people because you find you grow more when you're investing in others when you're just looking for God to invest in you. So our next season for where we're going is is investing in others. And as you invest in others, God will invest in you. you. You learn a lot by discipling others. So... Three things, better get to that, the message, because uh, there's the response we need and the kids need to be picked up at a certain time. Right, so um, three, three things. One is Sundays here. This is what today's going to be about. Next week's going to be about the relational hub of who we are, small groups, and, and sharing our lives together. And the third week's going to be about our witness uh, and, and sharing our faith and some other things in relation to that. All of these three weeks all relate to harvest, it relates to multitudes being saved. Say, well, what's that? How does that work on a Sunday? Well, we've, we've been seeing an increase of people coming on a Sunday, individuals, couples, families, more children coming, uh, people that don't know Jesus, maybe people have just come to know Jesus, maybe other people move into the town, they want to find a church and they're joining this one, uh, individuals, couples and families, households and that. And so... We need to understand that Sunday is not just a gathering for believers where we go to church on a Sunday morning. But actually we gather together as, the, as a family of believers and like in any home, it takes everybody to be that family. And we know that when children are growing up, at first when they're young, they depend on you. You feed them, you look after them, you clothe them. And as they begin to grow, you give them responsibility and they begin to get themselves dressed. They begin to feed themselves. They begin to do certain things themselves. They take responsibility. And as they get a bit older, uh, they begin maybe to hopefully in your home, you get your kids to wash their clothes a bit and they learn a few practical. They do the washing up and they help. Maybe some of them want to help with the cooking or they do a bit of hoovering and all of that. Kind of thing. Is that going in your house? Or was that just a dream when your kids were little? Don't know. <laughs> and, uh, you know, uh, Hoover, H O O V E R, Hoover. Hoover yeah, I think I know what that is. You walk around with it and all of that sucks the dirt up. It's brilliant. And, uh, uh, how many of you had whipping tea towel competitions with drying up? And that mightn't happen so much now with dishwashers. But I was growing up, you had lots of marks appear down your leg because in our house we had loads of people in our household growing up, and we always did the washing up. And there was a bit of a rotor, uh, as to who was on any given day. But it took a, twice as long as it needed to because after the time, everybody was flicking each other with tea towels and all that. and Somebody walked through the kitchen, we'll just get them on the way as well, and 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 all of that. So. So we're a family of believers together. So when we arrive on a Sunday, it takes about 50 people to make Sunday morning happen. Everything from car parking to welcome, to uh, meeting new people, to the worship team, to the children's uh, guys, to people making sure the buildings all sorted. There's about 50 people involved in making Sunday morning happen, which is quite a few, isn't it? And, And often when you come on a Sunday morning, I don't know, you might think this is not very organised but hopefully when you come on a Sunday morning you don't necessarily think about a lot of stuff that's going on because everything's sorted. You might think, oh, worship, great, it's, you know, don't need anybody else in the worship team. Or you might think, what well, are children, they go out every week, children's work must be brilliant, loads of workers. Or there's people always greeting on the door, this is great, I feel really welcome. And there's stuff that should just happen that actually should happen without us noticing it's going on, on one level, because we don't want anybody to be distracted by something going on that is like ADHD going off in me because there's a piece of paper on the floor and it should be in the bin or something. We don't want anybody to be distracted by something. We want them to come and encounter Jesus. Is that right? Yeah. But it takes about 50 people every week to create an environment for everybody else to come and encounter Jesus and to be together and to share life together on a Sunday morning. And... Uh, and we want to understand that if we're, in, if we're in the beginnings of harvest, you know, multiplication, abundance, and, and, uh, and harvest and everything, then we want to be ahead of the curve. We want to be ahead of the game in terms of what's happening. We don't want to be scrabbling, you know, to, to find people to be involved in this, that, and the other because we don't have enough people and I'm going to cover one or two things in a moment because you might not know this where we are really stretched in one particular area that we need to as a church family we need to sort out between us because you and I are the church the children's team for example it isn't just a bunch of people out there somewhere that the children's team the children's team is us it's made up of who we are and there's some incredibly faithful people that serve our children week in, week out, literally every week. Now, just want to say a couple of things before we get into some of the practicals. When you, uh, when you look at Exodus and the tabernacle, uh, chapters 25, 26, 27, all around there, when God spoke to them about um, making this tabernacle, He said to them, I I want you to build me this sanctuary. I want you to build me a place where I'm going to come and dwell amongst you. That's basically the phrase he uses in Exodus 25. Now, God was very particular about the details of what the tabernacle was to be made of, the different materials. There was a lot of gold around Um, and the size of it, the the things that were to go in it, the Ark of the Covenant and other things that were to go in there. And, And without getting into any details of that this morning, but everything was covered in gold. And, and I, I kind of said to the Lord, why was it all gold? And he said, well, on earth, gold's the most valuable thing, isn't it, for people? Whereas in heaven, gold paves the streets. He said, I walk on gold. You're going to walk on gold. It's just, that's just normal. That's like going to Brighton and the rocks on the, on the, well, I won't call it a beach, the rocks next to the water there, <laughs> um, down near the pier. Uh, God said, it was like God said to me, see all that rocks, that's what gold's like to me. It's just, it's gold, it's just, it's on the floor, you walk on it. He said, but on earth, it's precious. Everybody's like gold, 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 gold. So I wanted the people to understand when everything was this ornated with gold, not because it was a lavish kind of uh, thing, but because he is worthy of the highest, most valuable materials we could make anything with to serve God. I'm not saying let's cover the building in gold. I'm not saying that at all. But what could be the hardest thing for them to give away? They gave, because it said, have offerings of gold and silver and this and that. So they brought all the gold and so they said... This is the most valuable thing we could bring, this gold. And so we're giving it all and it's then going to furnish this place where we're going to come and encounter God and worship Him. But God had loads of, for Him, the details and all the information that, was, that He gave them to build this thing that He was going to come and, and house was so, so important. So when we gather, God wants to, us together to create an environment where He comes amongst us so that every person can receive from him. Every person can encounter him. Every person can come and be blessed because he wants to encounter people. He wants to speak to people. He wants to work in people's hearts and lives in the same way that they all brought all their stuff for this environment. We want to bring the whole of our lives when we come together. One to serve God, but also to serve one another and to bless one another. How many of you have ever been to a family gathering? And and there's loads of you, loads of food, loads of this, that and the other. And and how many of you know it takes everybody to pitch in to make it happen? Cooking, serving, somebody's playing with their kids and and while this and that is going on and somebody's laying the table and people doing the washing up and all that kind of thing. How many of you find it a little bit annoying when there might be the one person in the family that never seems to join in? (laughs) But they all seem to sit on the sofa, letting everybody else do everything. While say, anybody ever had a family gathering like that? Yeah. All right, just keep your thoughts right because you're thinking about the person your family go. Yeah, that's Uncle, you know, Jim Bob, or that was Auntie Mary, or whatever it is, or that, you know, just park that and forgive them for whatever they did or didn't do. But none of us want to be that person. So when we have our family party on a Sunday morning, our family gathering, where we come and feast together, we come to rejoice together, it takes everybody to make it happen. doesn't mean everybody's making it happen every Sunday by serving, but if it takes 50 people or more to serve on a Sunday, then somewhere in the month, everybody can serve in some way or other on a Sunday to help serve everybody else. I appreciate people do things in the week or involved in small groups and maybe some other things. But we're all involved in that. We have about 85, 90 percent of you are actively involved in small groups. That's amazing. Why? Because it's the hub and the life of the church. We'll cover that next week. Anyway, let's get back to this. But on a Sunday, we want to serve and we want to bless and we want to give to other people. So why do we have a Sunday morning? Ultimately, to see people's lives changed. Why do we park cars? Why do we want to be out there parking cars and greeting people? Because we want to see lives changed. Why do we welcome somebody when they walk in the door? Because we want to see life change? Why do people want to work in the hub and serve coffee and make coffee and get stuff all over them on a Sunday morning and all of that? Why? Because we want to see lives changed. Why do we have people who learn and play and practice their instrument and develop and want to do this, that, on this? Why? Because we want to see life change. Why do we want people, and we expect it, I'm sure you do, whoever's going to speak, they should be in the Word this week, praying and this, that, and the other. Why? Because we want to see life change. Why do we want to give our time and go and be with the children in the different age groups, being there, being an adult, being a parent, being somebody that, that, that's going to invest in their lives? Why? Because we want to see life change. We don't park cars because we want to park cars. We park cars because we want to see lives change. Why do we have an excellence team? What do they do? They make sure everything is clean, tidy, ready to go and in place so that when we all walk in the building, we're not having to get the chairs out. We're not having to make sure we know what we're doing today. We just rock up. But the excellence teams make sure it's sorted. What do the building team do? They make sure everything's working properly. The lights work, the toilets are sorted and everything else. Why do you have a production team? Well, if they didn't, you wouldn't be able to see or hear anything. Are you there? So things go on to serve us. What would it be like on a Sunday morning? We did have a conversation as to whether we do this or not. We thought, no, we wouldn't. And uh, uh, I know of a church who did this. Um, What would it be like on a Sunday morning if, when we all rocked up, the only thing that was open was the door and nothing else was switched on. No lights, no heating, no chairs. The band weren't ready, no sound check. nothing. What would it be like if we all walked in to the hub and there were no lights on? And we would all, walk, after a while, we'd be like, so what's going on this morning? Is there a power cut? Is there a, you know, uh, I mean, some might, well, have, well let's get sorted. Let's, let's get church ready. Let's get everything ready. Others maybe might be a bit like, well, I should have had the lights on by now. Should have had the cafe, the, uh, the hub going by now. Well, uh, you know. What do you think I pay my tithe for? You know, you know, it's like, your tithe is between you and God, you know, you tithe. Do you know what I mean? How do we, you know, so how we see what we're part of will determine how we show up on a Sunday. So it's a bit of housekeeping this Sunday. You think what on earth has this got to do with a prayer and fasting and breakthrough and nation and revival and all of that? Absolutely everything. Absolutely everything. If we're not ahead of the curve, we'll be behind it. The world comes in and you know what it's like. First impressions count. Oh, Clive, that's church. That's, that's the outward. Absolutely. What does is, what is God say in the Old Testament when He anoints David as king? He said, man looks on the outside, but God looks at the heart. So somebody who people walk into a building and they go, stinks, oh, I don't want to be in there, or oh, wow, what a nice atmosphere, smells great, looks great, feels great, the people are amazing. Sometimes we have one opportunity with people, one chance, that's it. People walk in, did they feel loved, accepted, or did we check them out and look them up and down? Did they feel welcome on a Sunday morning? Did they feel like, wow, these guys are amazing, everybody talked to me, so many people were, wow, I want to go back there. Good. Anybody with me this morning? <laughs> so we we, we want to... You know, this is how we want to be How many of you want that in your own home? You want people to come back You know, so you create an environment for, for that And uh, ultimately it's the presence of God So let's just be really practical for a minute okay? Um, so I want to focus on the children for a few minutes This is an area where we've got massive stretch at the moment Okay and uh, we have some amazingly faithful leaders in our, t- they do an amazing job, right? Uh, and uh, people that volunteer every Sunday to teach and invest in the kids. But, but if I'm honest, every Sunday, Dave Hellyer is having to ask people every Sunday morning when we come in, can you just help with the kids this morning? Could you just be in the room? Because we don't have enough people across all the age groups to be legal. We have to have a certain amount of people ratio thing with the kids yeah. and, uh, and we just need to be aware of that because you might not have known, you might think, well, I didn't know. So it's a bit of awareness really this morning but it's not coming from a place of need but actually we're saying we want to invest in the next generation. Yeah. I want to read you a couple of scriptures. The, the heart vision for the children is this, Jeremiah 24:7. I will give them a heart to know me that I am the Lord and they will be my people and I will be their God for they will return to me with all their heart. Now we know that's to do with Israel and the Jewish people, but also it's a, it's a scripture that God gave about the children, how we invest. That I will give them a heart to know me. Uh, one for, Psalm 145 says, One generation will commend your works to another and they will tell of your mighty acts. So that's us to them. They speak, this is us. We speak of the glorious splendor of his majesty to them. And we will meditate on his wonderful works. We will tell them of the power of your awesome works and proclaim your great deeds. They celebrate your abundant goodness and joyfully sing of your righteousness. So we don't just want to tell them, we want to show them. Uh, And and we want to be with them. So we want to invest in them. How we see the children would, would determine whether we see them as a side thing over here or whether we see them as they are part of the church as much as we are. There's a scripture in Acts 21, that says this, uh, Paul came to Cyprus and uh, it says, "'We sought out the disciples there "'and stayed with them seven days. "'Through the Spirit, they urged Paul "'not to go on to Jerusalem. "'When it was time to leave, "'we left and continued on our way. "'All of them, including the wives and children, "'accompanied us out of the city "'and there on the beach we knelt to pray.'" After saying goodbye to each other, we went aboard the ship and they returned home. Feeding of the 5,000, it says 5,000 men were fed plus all the women and the children. It's, the, the children are not an addition to who we are, they are part of who we are in the life of the church. And we want to invest in them and uh, and make space for them. You know, as parents, with your children roughly, when they're not at school or asleep or whatever, in, in a home, you have roughly between 1,500 and 2,000 hours a year with your children where you decide what you're going to do with them in terms of spending time with them. As a church, we have 44 hours a year with your kids, roughly one hour on a Sunday morning. I know 52 weeks in a year, but people go on holiday. People are away here and there. Roughly, it's 42 to 44 times a year. Well, that would be the max that people come to church in a 52-month uh, week period. So, so the average the, the child gets an average of 44 hours. In the church. So if that's all they get compared to the thousands of hours we get at home, we want to make that one hour every week count when a child comes here. Because we want to, as a church, we want to see, as parents, we have the first responsibility for our kids. Yeah. But as a church, we want to support, we want to encourage, we want to strengthen what is going on at home by what God does here uh, when, when they're together. And so I want to I want to encourage you this morning, uh, for, for many of you, you might think, well. It's a, if I'm honest, it's a bit of a break. I get to church. I can leave my kids. They can run around, go nuts, and it gives me two hours just to go. Oh, I need a break. Now I appreciate that. Um, but the church is not a babysitting service. We're a training center. We're an equipping center for every person who walks through the door. So when when you come with your kids, we want to help invest and equip your kids. And as parents, we still have responsibility for our children when they're in the building. Um, we don't know who might walk through the door. We've got no idea. People can walk in and out of a building. It's open to anybody. And so we want to make sure we're still looking after our kids in, in the right way. But that one hour or so, I want to encourage you, anybody, not just the parents this morning, to, to make yourself available and say, hey, I'd love to serve and invest in the children in my church family. And, and, and maybe it'll just be once a month. It's, it's not like you'll be doing it every week. Uh, But the more people that say, I want to invest in the next generation and invest in their lives, it might be once a month. You're up there and it it might mean you're in the room and you're in the room there. And by being in the room, you're saying to these these kids, we love you. We care for you. You matter. We value you and everything. Uh, I was chatting to Dave Heller the other day and... um, saying, so, you know, any particular thing that, you know, you want to share on Sunday. And, and he's, he's like, well, he said, I can't read it at the moment because I'm, I'm going to have to be in one of the groups because I don't have enough people. But here's a couple of thoughts. And one of them was, um, he just said, really simple. He said, especially if people know families and, and know the parents, when we we're in the building on a Sunday, encourage the adults in, in the room just to say hi to the kids. Uh, and say, all right, how you doing, what's your name? Or or if their parents are there, don't just talk to the parents and talk like that. Actually say hi to the kids as well and and engage with the kids because we want children, he said, we want the children to want to be here. We want the children to be, uh, oh, that that was a nice lady. She said hello to me or whatever and and, and all of that kind of stuff. And oh, yeah, that's Mary. We know them really well. Well, as parents, you might know them really well, but that doesn't mean your, your children know who they are. Another little fact, a bit of research, and this is part of Dave's um, masters that he's just done in in a a missional theology kind of masters. His his, uh, dissertation that he had to do was was basically based around the next generation, how they grow up in the life of a church and what happens when they get to that age where they transition from the children's to the youth and then the youth into the, the sort of wider relational aspect of the church. And basically in a nutshell, um, one of the one of the bits of research that he did, and he had to ask lots of people, that uh, families and individuals that are in the church, but also those that he he knows are, are now not in this church, they've left, or they're in another church, or they don't go anywhere now. And he interviewed lots of different people, the the individuals that have been through it, the parents of those individuals, and did a whole lot of research, and this tallies with other trends around the nation. Basically, when a child grows up in the church and connects relationally with their peers and with others outside their peer group. And this is the most important thing in this research, that they actively got involved in serving in some way. They're the the ones that when it comes to that 16, 17, 18 age, where they're like, do I have to come anymore or not? The ones that were actively involved Transition stayed in and actively carried on being involved in the life of the church. And those that weren't, because they didn't connect one relationally but then didn't end up serving, everyone without exception left the church. Now you can say, well, where were they with God and all that sort of thing? Well, you can ask that question. But the, other, the flip side of it, everybody who connected relationship and got involved in serving stayed. And so we, we want to be an example to the children of serving, of loving, what it? how you grow up in the life of the church. And we want to connect with that generation because we don't want them just disappearing off or, or whatever. I didn't connect or didn't do this, that and the other or whatever. The church, a church, let's keep it generic, a church can get blamed for a lot of things. Yeah. Well, my kids aren't walking with God, you didn't do this as a church. Well, it's the church's fault then that somebody's kid's not walk, walking with God. Well, I think as parents, we have to take responsibility for our children, their relationship with God. And, and, and we want to bring them up in a right way. And the church is part of helping to fuel that together. So we work together on that one. OK, so that's probably enough for now. But just the children's side of things, um, I want to encourage you to get involved. Again, any of the other things you can get involved, car parking, welcome. Why? Because we want to see lives changed. It's pretty easy on a, su- on a Sunday morning to stand out there and say to people, hey, you can park your car there. How are you doing? Great to see you this morning. Bless you. La, 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 la. It's quite easy to do that, isn't it? I don't know. You don't need, any, you don't need to go through college or anything to park cars. Why? Because we want to see life change. New People's Team. Greeting people. I know some people find this easier than others. But talking to people we don't know, you've never met. But uh, New People's Team. What a great way to connect with people. Say, hi, welcome, what's your name? And you don't have to say, oh, you're new here. You say, hey, I've never met you before. Because sometimes you might say, hey, are you new here? And they go, no, I've been coming for six months. Have you not <laughs> noticed me? Thanks a lot. I'm going somewhere else. So maybe, you know, Just use the, the, another way of saying it is, hey, I've never met you before. Hi, what's your name? And then you get in that way, right? Gets me out of jail as well, that one. Oh, by the way, Jay and I have signed up for the marriage course. We're gonna get our marriage sorted out. uh, Starting on February the 17th. If you haven't done it, join us on the marriage course. We're not doing it, we're sitting there. We're gonna eat the meals and listen to the stuff and Jay's gonna tell me all the things that are wrong in my life. It's gonna be amazing. I'm so looking forward to it. That's why I was praying and fasting for three weeks. <laughs> forget forget the nation. I was praying, God, please have mercy on me. When we go to the marriage course, that Jane would just not, she'll she just be gracious to me. All right. So uh, anyway, there's, there's things you can be involved in. Worship team, tech team, prayer team. You can pray during the service. You can pray before the meeting, during it. There's, there's various things. You can be involved in the hub. I love um, Sally, you're, you, when, been, when you're involved in The Hub, I said, why'd do you do The Hub? And she said to me, I don't do The Hub because I like making coffee. She said, I don't actually like doing that bit of it. She said, the reason why I do it." is because when I hand that coffee over to somebody, I'm facilitating a conversation with somebody else. I'm facilitating somebody sitting down and and building relationship with somebody else there. That's why I make the coffee, because I want to see people's lives change. If we have that mindset about what we're doing, why do we serve? Because we want to see people's lives change. That's why we do it. Stuff's got to be done, but we do it so that lives can be changed. All right, let's just stand up together. Sorry, it's not being in-depth Bible study this morning. I don't even know if I've even read the Bible, quoted it here or there. Sorry if I haven't, if that's upsets you, sorry. Uh, that, anyway, so uh, very, very short response. There's loads of tables around the back of the room with different things on it this morning representing different areas from the children's ministry through to the excellence team, creating a great environment, the facilities team, hub cafe, new people's, the connect, welcoming, car parking side of things, worship, prayer, technical. There's, you can go and chat to anybody relating to those different areas this morning and find out how can I get involved in this. And I just want to encourage you, okay, I want to encourage everybody in some way or other on a Sunday to serve. It might be once a month, that's all. I know some people, you're, some people you, there are some people that serve... Every Sunday In some way or other Amazing you guys That do that To make this thing happen Um, But I want to encourage everybody Just encourage everybody Please don't just turn up On a Sunday morning And and never serve And just take what you have for granted uh, In terms of just the family Of who we are Uh, Let's bless and, uh, And give To each other so very, very practical, very, very down-to-earth message this morning in relation to what God's been doing over these last few weeks because we could, we could stir up and have a fiery message about stir up the gift within you, stir up the fire and, and, and everything and, and we need to be just doing that in our own lives. We're going to be having a monthly through-the-night prayer once a month. Our impacts are going to change to encounter nights because we're going to have this all-night prayer once a month. We'll have an encounter night once a month and... I'm sure all of that will increase and develop however God does that. But there's the reality of serving of being very, very practical as as there's an increase of numbers, increasing the amount of children and and how we need to be ahead of the curve on a Sunday that we, we understand Sunday is part of harvest. Sunday is part of what God is doing. So maybe just close your eyes a minute. And if you're already serving on Sunday, thank you. You make a massive difference. Yeah, oh man, that's true. But if you don't have any servant expression on Sunday, n- just now make yourself available. Say, so Father, I want to respond to the word, not just be a hearer. I don't want to use any excuses. I know sometimes there are practical reasons why people can't serve, and 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 I'm, sh- you know, if there are some challenging issues, come and have a chat. If you need help with some practical stuff, um, but for many of us we can do something that we just choose at the moment maybe not to do. So Father, I thank you right now for your grace to be upon us to respond to your word and that fresh understanding that we're part of a family of believers. And when we gather as a family, everybody makes a difference. None of us wanna be that member of the family that just sits on the couch and lets everybody else get on with it. We wanna be those that are making it happen, serving in whatever way that then blesses others. Father I thank you for your grace and I thank you that you release us to go and to serve in your mighty name Amen. 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 Thank you for listening to this Kingdom Faith podcast. We trust it's been an encouragement to you. For more information and resources from Kingdom Faith and our other audio and video podcasts please visit www.kingdomfaith.com